Welcome in to another edition of the Fly the W podcast. This is season one, episode nine, and we are calling this one Ships That Pass in the Night. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer for 670 The Score of the Mully and Haw Show. They are live 5.30 to 10 now. If you like what you're hearing here, you can catch me Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. until 5.30 until we hand it off to them. And, of course, we are the official home of Chicago Cubs baseball with Pat, Ron, and Zach. And, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, Crawley. You can follow me at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670, also at Facebook at FlyTheW, and our email account, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Dustin, before this series started, you were going to only be happy with three wins. I felt it might be two wins. All we came up with is one. Only one time, Crowley, did the Cubs get to fly the W, and that was last night. We are recording this literally five minutes after the Pirates walked off the Cubs in extra innings. And Crowley, I, I don't want to go totally blue here, but I will just start this one off by saying whiskey, tango, foxtrot. And look it up if you don't understand what I'm saying right now, because this is just not acceptable that you cannot drop three of four to the pirates. I realize that the Cubs are rebuilding, but they're still the pirates. I am so disappointed in the Chicago Cubs right now. Well, we call this ships that pass in the night because this is now kind of going both ways. If you remember during the Cubs rebuild of 2012, 13, 14, 15, it was the Pirates that had those really good teams with uh, Starlin Marte and you had Andrew McCutcheon, and they were in the wild card game uh, 2013, 14, and 15, and it was Jake Arrieta and Kyle Schwarber putting one in the Allegheny that basically buried the Pirates to the basement where they've been dwelling for the last few years. Fast forward now to 2022, and I know mentally we say the Pirates because they have been bad since 2016, but this is not those Pirates. You're looking at a team with the Cubs that have very little talent on their roster, and you saw a team in the Pirates that is on its way up, that is ascending, where you saw prospects like O'Neill Cruz, Blay Madrid, Kiki Brian Hayes, who scored the winning run, Brian Reynolds, uh, local boy Jack Sawinski. These are really good players. And, and go around each one of those players, I said, you're the shortstop. You know, and I know some of these guys are, are very fresh, and maybe they're not going to be that great. I'm just telling you from what I'm seeing, I, I saw a team that looked pretty darn good on defense. I saw a team that ran the bases well. I saw the team not making little league mistakes. Well, those are all things, unfortunately, that our Cubs did. Before we start going through game one, game two, game three, game four of this series, which we always do here on the Fly the W podcast, I, I want to ask you specifically about the shortstop, the Pirate shortstop, who the RBI in his first six games had some kind of a, a record comparable only to JoJo DiMaggio. Do the Cubs have somebody like that for next year? Is there somebody coming up that can have that kind of an impact when you and I are doing this podcast at this time next year? I would say no. I, I can't think that. I mean, that's a top blue chip prospect. The Cubs don't have 
The first rebuild, when you talked about Chris Bryant and Schwarber, those were kind of very high ceiling blue chip prospects. I would say the Cubs have a lot of depth um, in their system. A lot of it in the lower uh, minor leagues. I just don't see anyone coming up next year. I mean, Brendan Davis lost a year. Maybe he might be somebody, but I don't think that there's anybody equivalent to O'Neill. All right. Thanks a lot, Carl. You're not making me feel better. So let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, get on to it. Let's talk about Cubs Pirates. The Cubs only win once, and that was on Wednesday night out in Pittsburgh. So game one, Cubs fall 12-1. to Caleb Killian got the start. I was really looking forward to seeing Caleb after spending a full week in the rotation, hanging out with the team, talking to the coaches, getting some knowledge from a couple of the experienced guys. So what did we get out of Killian and the Cubs in game one, Crowley? The Cubs got pounded 12 to one. Uh, Killian's record, uh, you know, it just wasn't good. He was not good. He only was able to go 2.1 innings, gave up three hits, seven runs. Five of those were earned, five walks and three Ks. But one thing that we're going to be talking about, especially games one, three, and four, is how bad the defense was. And when you have young pitchers, which we talked about this on the last episode, we had our four young pitchers going in Killian, Swarmer, Thompson, and Steele. You have to have defense backing that up. And one of the biggest uh, guys, they should just take away his glove and burn it, is Jonathan Br. And so when you get into this game, uh, the problem with uh, Caleb Killian has been walks. The first inning looks pretty good. He gets two Ks in the first inning. Okay, not too bad. And then, all you know, but at the top of the inning, you were frustrated because Ortega singled with two out half doubles. Ortega is thrown out by a mile. I don't know what the send was on that there other than I just think that the team is, is struggling to score runs and they're just trying to push the envelope on this. But that was bad. Um, you know, then all of a sudden Caleb comes in and has a good first, but then in the second inning, the command issues start to pop up. He had two walks. Two, a couple things to keep in mind is that BR in this inning, there was a puddle ground that he should have gotten and he didn't make. Then there was what looked like a double play ball and he can't make that play. So now you've extended the inning for Caleb Killian. And at that point, uh, another young, talented youngster that we talked about, Bly Madrius, uh, singled went because of the walks. He had the guys that he walked. He loaded the bases, um, and that's going to make it two to nothing. Sack fly by Hoy Park makes it three nothing. Uh, in the bottom of the third, more walks. He walked the first two batters. Vogelbach singles. He got the bases loaded. He throws a wild pitch to score Reynolds. Chavis, today's hero, walks. And uh, O'Neill Cruz, uh, bases loaded double. And so the Pirates are up 7 nothing in the third inning. I mean, that pretty much was all she wrote. That was basically all she wrote. So two things there that I'd like to respond to with what you said. I mean, the biggest disappointment with Killian is the fact with the walks. you got to trust your stuff. You're not in a position to kneel, throw the ball over the plate. But you can see that he's got bad, he's got bad defense behind him, something that we'll talk about later in Game 4, the game that just wrapped up. More bad defense, the Cubs recording four errors, extending innings. You can't do that to young guys. I understand. We have to be patient with these young guys on the hill. But man, oh man, you can't give extra outs. And I can understand how a young guy like Caleb Killian, how that might affect him. And again, let, let's go back. There has to be somebody else down on the farm. I, I do not 
not need to see Villar anymore. I know what Villar is. If you need an injury replacement or you need to give a guy four or five days, fine. Why is Jonathan Villar constantly in the lineup? I wish I could answer. Probably for the same reason Jason Hayward's always in the lineup, and that's that's because maybe David uh, Ross just trusts better. David Ross a sweep on the road too. I mean, did that happen? I, I'm I do not believe he bought him a sweep, but it's I can't think of any other any other logical explanation other than than a coach that likes to play veterans. Uh, but this this absolutely hurt Killian. And the, and, the, and the trouble with Killian right now is he just hasn't had these command issues in the minors. This is just something that's popped up in the majors. He had a 47 to 16 strikeout to walk ratio in 43 innings in uh, AAA Iowa. He had a 251 ERA, and that's in 10 starts in what's considered a hitter-friendly Pacific Coast League. The PCL is always considered a, a tough place for pitchers to pitch. And so Killian said after the game, it's super frustrating, actually, because I feel like I'm digging myself in a hole. I keep I'm walking people getting behind the counts. I feel like I'm not far off. I feel like it's close. Once it clicks, it'll be a lot better, but it's going to have to click in the minors because that's where he was sent immediately after the game. And Mark Leiter Jr. called back up. But, but the thing you look about this at this game, and this is where the walks and the errors hit you, is that the, you know, you think 12 to 1, oh, the Cubs got killed. The Pirates out hit the Cubs only 11 to 10. They only had one more hit. They only walked two more times. Difference, and we've been banging this drum, is that the Cubs with runners in scoring position were one for nine as a team. The team had a team left on base of 13. Wisdom left six on base. Hayward left five on base. Difference for the Pirates, they were 7-15 with runners in scoring position. That's the difference right there. That's the difference right there. Really quick, before we move on to game two, I'd love to hear your opinion on what the Cubs did with Killian. Do you think that's the right move? Is it the right move for him to go back to Iowa, hopefully regain some confidence, or do you think it's better for him to stay here and take his lumps? Because Right now, as it stands, Alec Mills is going to get a start. Do we need to see Alec Mills starting? I think Caleb Killian could learn a whole lot more, and if it doesn't work out, then bring Alec Mills in again to relieve him, and he doesn't even provide much relief. Well, there's a couple issues that you're dealing with right here. Number number one is this constant uh, starters getting pulled early, struggling to make it four or five innings, and so you need fresh arms. And that's what they did. And so Caleb Killian's a guy that has plenty of options. You don't have to worry about that. So when you send him down and you call Mike, Mark Leiter up, uh, Leiter played an important role just like Mills did of you know taking innings off the bullpen. So you needed him up to take those innings. So uh, in this game, you, you saw here that uh, Mills took a bunch of innings. He, he looked good for three. He pitched four. So he gets roughed up for five in the seventh inning. Um, but Mills took some of those innings. And then in the next game that the Cubs lose, you're going to see Alec, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mark Leiter, who was just called up that day, take a bunch of innings. So that's why you do with Caleb. But his mechanics seem very out of whack. I would rather not, I would rather not have his confidence destroyed even more by another bad outing. Let him get his head sorted. Let, his get, let him get his mechanics sorted without the pressure of trying to win a major league game. All right, so we move on to game two, and we've got another one of the younger Cub starting pitchers, less experienced Cub starting pitcher in Matt Swarmer. 
And uh, the same results, the Cubs lost in that one, seven to one. Crowley, how did it happen? Yeah, you had uh, Ronsi Contreras. So that was interesting to see the Contreras, Contreras matchup. But uh, Swarmer only went four innings, gave up five hits, five runs. Four of those were earned. So another unearned run, two walks and five Ks. You know, but it starts off with key Brian Hayes, who just looks so good with the leadoff triple. Uh, Reynolds sack fly, you're down one nothing early in the bottom of the second. Michael Perez with the solo home run, Cubs are down 2 nothing. Then in the third, you had with one out, Reynolds singles. You had a wild pitch by Swarmer. Sawinski walks. Vogelbach singles. Uh, Reynolds ends up scoring. Chavez strikes out. And then O'Neill Cruz singles. Uh, which allows Sawinski to score. Cruz steals. You had a wild throw by Wilson. Vogelbach scores. Now the Cubs trail 5 nothing. So if you kind of think about that, you had a single, a wild pitch, a walk, a single, a, a strikeout, a single, uh, a stolen base, which led to a wild throw, which allowed another run to score. So wild pitches, errors, and walks. Well, and and no hitting. Right again, and no hitting Crowley. We'll get to that. One for six, oh for six with runners in scoring position. I mean, you know, you're not going to win many games with one run. Now, the good news for Swarmer was is two walks. So he cut back on the walks in that game. That that's my biggest takeaway from that game on the pitching side of things. And then on the offensive side of things, we had the mammoth home run from Pat Wisdom. I think it was the longest one the Cubs have hit this year, over 400. And 60 feet. And did you happen to hear Pat and Ron talk about the squirrel running around and the grounds crew trying to catch him? The squirrel, that was a brilliant call. And it was, I, I was, I was listening to the radio and I, I was, I was dying laughing. That was the only thing that kept me going. I think that was the first game of the series, wasn't it? I forget if it was game one or two, I, I apologize, but that, that was one of the other, other small, tiny little highlights of this, uh, four-game series against the Pirates where the Cubs only won one game. And that's where we're going to turn our attention to right now, Crowley. That was game three. The Cubs won that one 14-5. And as Zach Zabin put it, the Cubs scored two touchdowns in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, and again, you know, you'd want to pat yourself on the back and say, well, look at this game. But it was more an injury that helped the Cubs out. If you remember when we talked about the starters that were penciled in for this game, it was supposed to be Keegan Thompson versus Zach Thompson. So the Thompson versus Thompson matchup. But Zach was scratched with a forearm injury, and journeyman Jared Eikhoff came in, and he was just what the Cubs offense needed. Uh, Keegan looked great again, six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, and seven Ks. Uh, Eikhoff was awful, 4.1 innings. He gave up 10 hits, 10 runs. He had to wear it for the Pirates. Uh, he gave up one walk with four Ks. But, the, you know, the Cubs had a seven-run second inning, and everybody had started with VR doubling, Horner singles, Hayward and Rivas, right? You got two guys on. Jason Hayward can't hit. He hits Hayward with a pitch, and then he hits with the bases loaded. Rivas with the pitch was struggling offensively. So now all of a sudden it rolls back to the top of the order. And Ortega had a great game. He doubles to give the Cubs a 3-0 lead. Contreras, who had an awful series, struck out. Wisdom single to make it 5-0, scoring Rafael, uh, Rivas and Ortega. And then Hap, who, who just dominates in Pittsburgh, homered and uh, Wisdom scored on that. So you're up 7-0, and Keegan did exactly what you want to do with that lead. Don't mess around. Attack the strike zone. And that's what he did. He gave up a solo home run to Diego Castillo, but that was it. Absolutely. I was really happy that Keegan got that big lead. Happy to see he only had 
the one walk in that game. So was able to go six innings, seven Ks. So that was great to see. And you're right. Wilson is really struggling right now after playing so well during the homestand. He has not played very well in Pittsburgh so far. I will right. tell you though, Dustin, though, one thing that also we talked about the squirrel, that craziness at the end of the game where Robertson pitches a scoreless eighth. And in the ninth, it wasn't, you know, it, usually we're on the other end of these things where Frank Schwindel's pitching, but they had to put their position player in Diego Castillo and uh, Alfonso Rizas, uh ends up having three guys in front of him get reach and he hits a grand slam. And then Robertson had his first career at bat. So he had his first career at bat in his 696th career game. So he surpassed Mariano Rivera for the most games pitched in Major League history before his first plate appearance. He worked a 3-2 count, and he swung at a pitch that was high. But as he told the guys in the dugout, I wasn't taking a walk. I was swinging. I got to tell you, Crawley, after what happened today, like last night, I would say I found it minorly amusing and minorly at best because I'm sick of seeing position players pitch. And, you know, after what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, um, I don't know if we needed that grab ass. You had already lost two games. I understand they had scored 14 runs and they were more than likely going to win that game. But I don't know that a whole gang of grab ass is exactly what uh, Cubs fans want to see at this point. But like you said, it, the narrative changes after today's game. You know, if all of a sudden they win the, today's game, it's funny and it's totally all different. Right. I agree with you. I agree. I, I would probably have a very different opinion right now of David Robertson and the grab ass. But that takes us into game four, Crowley. We had Justin Steele and my favorite ex-cub, Jose Quintana. If you were listening today to the Mully and Haw show, you heard David Haw giving me a lot of crap today about my disliking Jose and telling me what a great individual he is. It's nothing personal against Quintana. It's just what the Cubs gave up in order to get him, and it did not pay off at all. So what happened today, Crowley? Game four. Well, it, it's this one was a absolute maddening game in all sense of the words. You had Steele versus Quintana, and the thing that kills you is Justin Steele pitched really well, and it was his defense highlighted once again by Jonathan VR that let him down. So he went 5.2 innings. He gave up seven hits, six runs, five earned runs. So you look at the you look at the stat line, it doesn't look good. He had eight strikeouts, but it all came down to the defense because in the bottom of the first, Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds is one of those young stud pirates that I told you about. He hits a solo home run. I'm not going to get mad at that. That happens, right? But then in the top of the, the second, Wisdom singles, uh, uh, Gohm strikes out, but VR grounds into a double play. VR just had the worst day possible. Top of the So here's the thing is that you have Jose Quintana, who's not that great of a pitcher, and the Cubs kept letting him off the hook. Quintana was able to go six innings. He gave up six hits, two runs, one walk, and six Ks, but just constantly grounding into double plays, ending innings. Top of the third, Nico singles, Velasquez. Nelson Velasquez got a start. It's amazing. He walked. Higgins bunted. You had the bases loaded, Morel and no outs. Morel flies out. Wilson grounds into a force out. Nico Horner scores. The game's tied at one. Hap's able to single, and the Cubs lead two to one. But you felt, once again, like you let Quintana off the hook. Oh, absolutely. They let him off the hook. Oh, God. I, the, that, that game was so maddening. And again, if Jonathan Villar starts 
on Friday night down in St. Louis, I am just going to be totally ticked off, Crowley. Well, that's where that's where we get into the bottom of the third here, right? Tyler Heineman singles, and then Blind Madrid grounds into a what should be a, it, it's a force out because it should have been a double play, right? Nico shuttles it to to VR, VR bobbles it, so Madrid is safe at first. So that should have ended the inning. Okay, it doesn't. And the very next batter, Key Brian Hayes, hits a home run. So Boom the goes the dynamite. <laughs> right. Cubs lead three to two instead of it being a two to two high game. And then we get to the top of the fifth. Nelson Velasquez with an amazing double. He does a, a patented Javier Baez Almago slide, right? So he leadoff double. PJ Higgins flies to right. No problem. Velasquez advances to third. Morel pipes, uh, pops out, and Wilson strikes out. You know, just it was just such a bad game for Wilson and BR. Uh, in the bottom of the fifth with two outs, Hayes reaches on a fielding error again by VR. Reynolds reaches on a fielding error by Wisdom. Hayes scores. Reynolds reaches third. The call's overturned. Everybody's kind of off the field. They go to commercial. They throw it to commercial. And then you come back, and now the guy's, you know, put back at third because he was the call was overturned. And they didn't score any more out of that, but it was just the um, the one thing, Dustin, that I've talked about. And when we talked in the lap, last episode, I said, I only care about watching the development of these young pitchers, the four young pitchers that we were going to see. And you just saw how that defense killed the young pitching. All the extra pitches that uh, Steele had to throw, and that would end up coming to hurt him in the sixth inning when the game kind of starts to kind of, it looks like it's getting away. Eventually, the Pirates are, are leading six to two. But it was missed. It, was, it wasn't even that. Like, like that bobble by, um, by VR wasn't counted as an error. Missed cutoff, man. There was all sorts of things like, you know, guys not backing up plays. It was just pure garbage. And what makes me mad about this situation, I think Steele could have gone eight innings. I thought he could have gone eight innings with the stuff he had, but the extra 20 to 30 pitches that he's got to throw because the defense keeps giving the other team five, six outs and in innings. He's, he has to be pulled out when he does. And that's, that's a shame. And, and what, and imagine if, if all of a sudden, let's say in the next start, his arms bothering him or something because you had to push him because of the poor defense. It's a great point. You're making Crowley again. Why is Jonathan Villar playing as much as he is? The one thing I will say, though, is he didn't seem to get rattled. There wasn't like pouting. His body language looked good where I could see the opposite. Like Killian had a couple errors behind him and it seemed it seemed to bother him. Now, a lot of people have said and we talked about on the last episode or one of the episodes is that why is David Ross the manager? What is he doing? I'm not so impressed so far. I will say that this team does keep playing for David Ross because the Cubs rallied Crowley and actually took the lead in the top of the eighth inning. Yeah, Morell singled. Wilson, who was hitless through a four-game series with the Pirates, okay? Uh, he, he walked, which was great. He reached base. Hap grounds out. Uh, Wilson was out at second, so he had runners at first and third. Wisdom singled, and the Cubs were down 6-3. Gomes flied out. BR walked, so he did something productive. Horner with a clutch seeing eye single. Uh, happened wisdom score in the Cubs trail six to five. Rafael Ortega walks. Rivas singled, which was a clutch single for Rivas uh, with two outs. And BR and Horner scored. And just like that, the Cubs take a seven to six lead. So they scored five runs in that eighth inning. 
And that was awesome. Unfortunately, it only lasted one pitch because David Robertson gave up a solo homer to Michael Chavez. And now we get to the extra inning courtesy runner rule. Right. We'll, we'll get to that. I want to know, I want to know before we get there though, are you okay? And I, I mean, hindsight's 2020, of course, but David Robertson in the bottom of the eighth. It was kind of bizarre, but, uh, I mean, you know, it, were they going, were they going for a six out save? Yeah. I'm not, I, I really don't know. I don't know why Efros or somebody else wasn't in at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, that's something that I hope the media contingent asked. We're recording this during the Cubs post game show after the loss. So we'll go back and we'll listen. Maybe we'll throw that out on Twitter. It definitely will be a big topic and a, something that I will be ranting about tomorrow morning on Mully and Haw, 5-10 to 10 on the score. So they get to the courtesy runner, Crawley. Tell us what happens then. Yeah, you got the courtesy runner. Uh, Patrick Wisdom at second. Gohm lines out to right. Wisdom goes to third. Uh, he advances to third on that flyout. Hayward to pinch hit for Simmons. So you literally went from VR to Simmons to Hayward. That was what you had there in that spot. That's and not a good trifecta, Crowley. I would never bet that trifecta. <laughs> no, no. And I was certain, and I think I might have even tweeted it, that, uh-oh, here comes the old Jason Hayward to second, which would have scored the runner. But no, he pulled it to the first baseman, who then threw out wisdom at home. Now, some people are upset about the call. The Cubs did challenge it. They felt that the catcher blocked the plate and they felt even if he didn't, it looked like that wisdom got in, but that's not how New York saw it. Well, two things there, uh, three things, you know, Hayward, gosh, I mean, is there nobody else left? Um, should you be running on contact with Hayward at the plate with only one out and a runner a third? I don't think so. I don't think there was a need to be super aggressive. I think that I think the rule should have been if the ball gets into the outfield, be prepared to run. You, you know, like a tag up would have been fine. But again, what does Jason Hayward primarily do? Pounds the ball into the dirt and it's headed for second, the second baseman or the first baseman. And then we're going to talk at, towards the end of the game. I do know what blocking the plate is officially now after the end of the game. But if that's not blocking the plate, I really don't know what is. And I would love, like, in the Cubs postgame show or the four-letter network or T MLB network, somebody's got to show me what is okay and what isn't okay. This is getting to the point probably 10 years ago in the NFL where we didn't know what was a catch and what was a catch. Crowley, I don't know what blocking the plate is versus what not blocking the plate is. Can, can you help me? Can you help our podcast listeners? Do you understand exactly what blocking the plate is right now? I mean, we know it from the Buster Posey rule, but like you said, no one's been able to describe what is or isn't. I, it's, it's, a, it's literally just a coin toss, and I, I don't remember very often hearing it called as blocking the plate. It sure looked like it on that play. Absolutely. So then – we get to the uh, we get to the tenth inning, the bottom of the tenth, right? Yeah, Michael. Uh, well, you 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 got uh, you know key Brian Hayes as the courtesy runner. They walk Brian Reynolds, and then uh, it's just a, a bloop. This was off Efros. It was one of those bloop singles. And and, and if you're Hayward, you're not di diving, stretching out to try to get that ball. Like that's that's another thing too. How can you let that ball fall into the middle of three different? Uh, fielders right there. And, and that's it. He, the scary collision at the end between Hayes and um, 
and uh, Contreras, but uh, that's it. You know, they, they walk off 3-1 winners as far as the series is concerned. Yep, the Pirates get to uh, fly the Jolly Roger. That's what they like to say out in Pittsburgh after they win a ball game. And listen, they deserved it. They played harder. They played better defense. As you mentioned, they ran the bases better. They hit better with runners in scoring position. So the Cubs now have lost a four-game series, three out of four, to the Pirates.